I am really excited about Hollywood Bowl for Easter. We are going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do it with Fellowship of Monrovia and Christian Assembly of Eagle Rock. Great people, great time, great music. I look forward to seeing you there. Hi, greetings from Christian Assembly Church here in Eagle Rock. We are so excited to get to celebrate Easter this year with Bel Air Presbyterian, as well as those of you at Fellowship Monrovia. It's going to be a great day at the Hollywood Bowl together celebrating the risen Christ. Can't wait to see you there. We are ecstatic. We cannot wait to worship with you. The Church of Jesus Christ coming together in one place for one special morning. We're praying that we would fill the Hollywood Bowl with many who would come to know Christ as their personal Savior. And I look forward to worshiping together with you at the Hollywood Bowl. When is Easter? April 20. Where are we going to be? Hollywood Bowl. We're going to be there with the Christian Assembly out of Eagle Rock and Fellowship Monrovia. Albert Tate is the pastor of that church, and we're happy to have him with us today. Albert and LaRosa have three children. He's on the board of Azusa Pacific. He started Fellowship Monrovia about two years ago. This is a dynamic, growing church. And this man is uniquely blessed of God, and we're delighted to have him come and preach for us this morning. So, Albert, let me say a prayer for you. Gracious God, turn this man loose. Let the Holy Spirit work through him. May he be a conduit for your spirit, and may it make a difference in our lives. Bless him, his congregation, and his family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, good morning. I am so glad to be here. I am originally from Mississippi, so back home I would say it like this. I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be here this morning. I am. We got some Mississippi people right here? Uh, just, just the South, just general South. All right, it's cool. Good to have you all in the house, all three black people from the South. I love it. Uh, all of us. All right. So, so speaking of that, I am black. Um, I, I know, it freaked me out when I heard it the first time, too. Uh, and, you know, I'm used to preaching 45 minutes, you know, 50 minutes. They tell me at 25 minutes, people start rapturing out of here. Like, people just vanish. But, you know, 25 minutes, like the clock, 25 minutes to a black preacher is like kryptonite to Superman. Like, it, that, ain't, that ain't much at all. So, uh, I, I'm just going to jump into the text this morning. Can I just say, though, how excited we are to be joining you at the Hollywood Bowl this year? We're so excited, so I look forward to seeing you all uh, on April 20th. Uh, got 19 minutes left to go, so let's jump in. <laughs> book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, is where I'll go this morning. Uh, the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. If you're anything like me, uh, I grew up in church down in Mississippi. This is one of the first passages that I committed to memory. Uh, so I am preaching a very familiar passage. Um, but I pray that God would give us fresh eyes and fresh ears to hear these ancient words again for the first time. John, chapter 3, verse 16. Hear these words of our Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him 
would not perish, but have everlasting life. I'll say it again. For God so loved the world uh, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would tune our ear your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Uh, God, would you turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us this morning. Uh, It's to that end that I ask, God, that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you'd have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Would you have your way in this great church today? In Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. Amen. Well, my wife and I, LaRosa, moved to Southern California about eight years ago now. Uh, We packed up and moved from Mississippi uh, to work at a church in Pasadena called Lake Avenue Church. Uh, After being at Lake Avenue for about six years, we planted a church uh, in Monrovia called Fellowship Monrovia. Uh, But when we first moved here from Mississippi to California, as you can imagine, it's a little different. uh, a little different. So, and, so we were going through changes when we got here. And then the first two weeks of living in Southern California, the first two weeks of living in Southern California, my wife got pregnant. We, we have no cable and no internet hooked up, and that's just kind of what happened. Um, <laughs> just kind of parenthetically now, before we move, cable and internet are both got to be on before we get the keys. We ain't signing nothing until you turn it on. We ain't going in there. We ain't, we ain't going in there. Uh, So, as you can imagine, new town, new city, new job, now new baby, the pressure was a little high. So, my wife's birthday was coming up, so I talked to my California friends, and I said, y'all, I got to hook my wife up for this year. I'm sorry, hook my wife up. I've got to engage her in a way that upgrades the standard of my normal gift giving. I've got to intensify the gift. I've got to hook her up. Um, So, they said, Albert, if if you want to hook your wife up, you got to take her to Tiffany. I said, who is Tiffany? They said, they said, you just trust us. I'll just go to Tiffany's. I'm telling you, your wife will love it. So I said, okay, cool. And I go to Tiffany's, y'all. I walk in, I see the prices and I walk back out. I said, she ain't got a cousin named Tamika or Tasha, somebody. I need somebody else. I can't afford Tamika. They said, Albert, Albert, I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. I'm telling you, if your wife gets a blue box. I'm telling you, that blue box is powerful. I said, well, why didn't you tell me that to begin with? I went back to Tiffany. I said, hey, can I get a blue box, please? He said, no, it don't work. I said, okay, okay, okay. So I just walk around. You know, I'm walking around the store. Have you ever been in the store that, excuse my common vernacular, my southern draw, but you just ain't got no business being in. Have you ever been in the store? Like, you just don't belong in there. I know this is Bel Air, but I mean, anybody like me, like, you just ain't got no, you're just in a store and you're just looking. So I'm just shopping, y'all, and I'm just looking around and, and I got comfortable. I forgot where I was. I lost my bearings. I forgot. And I messed around and I saw something I liked and I, and I did it. I did. I said, oh, let's not, let me see that. Let me see that. So I get it. $14,000. Now, I couldn't say what I wanted to say because what I was thinking was, OMG, SMH, LOL, this ain't happening. You know what I'm saying? I was like, it's like, have you lost your mind, lady? $14,000? My car don't cost $14,000. 
Uh, I can drive this. Uh, so, but I didn't say none of that. I didn't say none of that. I know, I know some of y'all are thinking, what kind of car are you driving for $14,000 or less? Uh, it's a different story for a different time. But, so I tried to play it off. I said, oh, um, you know what? She'd probably like another color. Let me put that back. Let me see something else. Let me see. And I just kind of look around. And I'm kind of looking around because I'm trying to find a cheap section. But my girl Tiffany ain't got a cheap section. It's just... So I finally find the, 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 the little necklace with the little, with the little trinket on it, the, the little locket, the little heart necklace. So I got it. Y'all, 18 more months, and it'll be ours. We own it. Uh, it's 18 more payments, and we'll, it'll be ours. But so, 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 so I got it. Got it in the blue box. And y'all, I'm just telling you, I'm ready. I, I'm, I give this, I'm ready to give this to my wife, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I want a response. I want a response, and I, and, and I, want, a res- I, I, want, I want tears. <laughs> oh, I want tears, and I'm not talking about a regular, no, 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 I want the ugly cry. The, y'all, y'all know the ugly cry, that, the asthmatic, that, <laughs> I mean, I, I want a response. Y'all, let me just say to all the, all the men in the room, let me just tell you, if you ever want to bless your wife, Holla at my girl, Tiffany. I'm telling you, she is amazing. I pull out the blue box immediately. My wife saw the blue box. Tears start streaming out. I, I, I mean, I just won't even, I'll spare you all the details of what happened next. But she, she loved it. And two kids later, she is still thanking me for that Tiffany's box. I'm telling you, it was an amazing gift. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That, that, there's a principle that, that, dwelt, that, that I built that on. Every great gift demands a great response. Every great gift demands a great response. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The greatest gift that could ever be given, the greatest gift that could ever be given, the gift that transforms our very lives, God gave the greatest gift that could have ever been given. The question that I want to put on the table for my last 14 minutes, what's your response? What's your response? The greatest gift in the world has been given to you, Jesus Christ. He has come to give us new life. He has come to provide a new way of living. He's come to give us hope. He is the Prince of Peace. He is Jehovah Jireh. He has come to be our provider. The greatest gift has been given. The question is, what's your response? If you struggle trying to figure out how to navigate this, John helps us. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe, 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 believe in him, believe, believe. Believe is more than just uh, coming to a conclusion in my mind. Belief is more than just me drawing conclusions in my head. Belief is more than just mental assent, but it's consent of the will and it is ultimately the reclining of the heart. I'll give that again. Belief is more than just some conclusion in my mind. It is mental assent, but it's also the consent of the will, and it is ultimately the reclining of my heart. Belief is more than just you saying, oh yeah, that makes sense. No, 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 no. Belief is when he has your head, your hands, and ultimately your heart. It's not enough for him just to have your hands. He's got to have your heart, because when he's got your heart, he's got all of you. <laughs> 
He's got to have more than just your mind because he could have your mind, but your heart still be far from him. And your heart, your heart, it's, it's not, it's, it's the reclining of your heart, the resting of your heart. It's, it's, it's not enough to say, I trust him. But the question is, if I trust him, then trust looks like rest. I rest in him. Uh, so I would argue if you say you trust him, but you ain't resting in him, then you're probably not trusting him. If you're sleepless at night, walking in anxiety, consumed with yourself, but you say, I trust God. No, 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 no. Trust has a picture. Trust has a face, and it looks like rest. Y'all not getting it? Let me help you. Uh, (laughs) Growing up in Mississippi, my grandfather was a pastor. He pastored some 40-something years. He was an interesting man. He He was short in stature, so he was a short guy, but he had a huge ego, man. You couldn't turn this guy down. He had this huge ego. Matter of fact, I think he overcompensated by, by buying big cars. Like, he had a Cadillac. And, and, and I'm talking about when Cadillacs were real cars. And I'm not talking about these little cute things on the side of the road now. I'm talking about when a Cadillac was a Cadillac. Like, my daddy, my granddaddy's Cadillac started at that door and went all the way back to those stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a Cadillac. I'm talking about not something you could drive like this. You had to drive this like this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm talking about a Cadillac that if you hit something, you have to get out and check on the something. Did I hurt something? Because it didn't do nothing to the car because it was a beast of a machine. My granddaddy drove this Cadillac, y'all, and he would pride himself on driving. When you go from Mississippi to Detroit, he'd say, son, I don't even have to get gas. I drive off the Holy Spirit and fumes. I'm going, Jack. He, he was just this prideful man. So you can imagine my surprise as a 17-year-old boy when we're driving up to Chicago, he pulls over to the side of the road and he says to me, uh, my name is Albert, I'm a junior, so all my family called me junior, but he couldn't get out the, ex- the, the energy for the extra syllable, so he just called me June. He said, June, I'm going to pull over, I'm going to shut my eyes, and I'm going to let you drive. So 17 years old, I get a chance to drive. So my grandmother's sitting right here, my cousin's back here, and, and I get out and I get in the front, and, and my granddaddy's in the back, and y'all, I'm 17 years old, and I'm, I'm driving. I'm driving. I'm driving. I'm driving, and about a minute and 30 seconds in, my granddaddy says, uh, Now, June, uh, uh, speed this thing on up now, son. I want to get there for sunrise. I says, says oh, Okay, granddaddy. Uh, 40, 45 seconds later, he said, now June, slow this thing down now, boy. We ain't running no race, son. I said, okay, okay, granddaddy. Okay, slow down. down. Uh, 30 seconds later, uh, June, by this time I could feel my grandmother getting anxious over here on the side. She sits up and she leans over and she says, uh, I thought you said she was going to shut your eyes. See, my grandfather had a problem. He, he believed he wanted me to drive, and he consented the keys and let me drive, but he didn't recline his heart in the back seat of the car. Uh, he didn't rest. He didn't shed his eyes. Sometimes I wonder if we say, God, I believe that you're the risen Savior. I believe that you can take control of my life, but we refuse to recline and shed our eyes. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus wants to peer over to the backseat of of our lives and say, I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and trust me. I thought you were going to shut your eyes and trust that the God of all creation could navigate your life. 
I thought you was going to shut your eyes and trust that I am God, I am good, I am in control. So sit back, give me the keys, recline your heart, and rest in the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ because I am leading your life, I am in control, and I am well qualified. See, sometimes we, act God, we treat God like he got bad credit. Oh, come on, come on, come on. You ain't been in Bel Air all your life. Some of y'all know what it is to have bad credit. <laughs> well, you, you, you're constantly looking at him and checking, and Lord, well, what about this? Oh, Lord, what about that? He said, just trust me. The idea of belief is not just believing in your head that this is a good idea. It's not just handing over areas of your life and saying you can have control, but it's when you can rest your heart in the beautiful work of the gospel of Jesus Christ and know that he's in control, he's good, and he's got you. He says, every great gift demands a great response if you would just believe in him, if you would rest in him, if you would take your life, place it in his hands, and let go and trust God to lead and navigate your life. Then, he says, uh, you, you won't perish, 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 perish. Perish is the idea of, of hell, but it, it's more than hell. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's bigger than that. It's, it's a much bigger narrative. It's not something that happens when you die. Uh, perish is this idea of, 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 of slowly drifting away from God's purpose, God's presence, God's power, God's plan, God's peace. God's promises. It's the idea of right now here on earth, slowly drifting to the place to where you are moved away from the light and the hope and the peace of God. And you find yourself living in the darkness and in the shadows and the absence of the presence and the purpose and the promises of God in your life. That's perishing. And being away from God's promises and being away from God's purposes and living captive to the darkness of this world, that's hell. And it doesn't start when you die. It starts when you begin to perish, when you begin to drift away from God's purpose and promises in your life. You may be sitting here today far from God. You may be sitting in this room today far from the purpose and the promises of God. You may be sitting in this room and your life is consumed with the guilt, the darkness, the shame, the disbelief, the bitterness that this world has to offer. And I am here to tell you, you weren't made for that. You were made for fellowship with God. You were designed. You were made in his image. You were made with his promises in mind, with his purpose in mind, with his plan in mind. You were made to live life in isolation, in the shadows, consumed with guilt, shame, and darkness. You were made for the hope of glory, the hope of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. You were made to be with Him. It says if you believe, if you take your life out of your hands, stop driving, give Him the keys, and rest in the glorious work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you don't have to live like this. You don't have 
about the hell, live hell captive to your addiction, your addiction to pornography, your addiction to, 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 to alcohol, your addiction to drugs, your addiction to money, your greed, your bitterness, your insecurity, the shame, the guilt of your past. You don't have to leave in that captivity anymore. Jesus Christ has come to set you free and who the Son set free is free indeed. Jesus is saying, you don't have to perish. So if you're sitting here today and you're perishing, there's good news. There's another way to live. There's another way of living. He says, you don't have to perish, but you will have everlasting life. I love it. Everlasting life, it's heaven, but it's bigger than heaven. It's more than heaven. You don't have to wait till you die to get to heaven. This heaven begins to happen when you, if, if hell is, and if perishing is, 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 is drifting away from God, then eternal life in heaven is this drawing nigh to God, to draw nigh to him, to walk with him, to, to every day take one step closer to Christ. And every day of my life, I become more and more like Jesus Christ. And although I'm not perfect, every day I'm taking steps and I'm walking with him. I'm known by him. I'm knowing him. And in his presence, he's changing who I am. See, he loves us right where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us where we are. He's consistently drawing you to him. He's drawing you, drawing him, drawing your heart to be more like his, drawing your, your attitude to be more like his, drawing your mind to be more like his. And in that embrace, in that community, in that oneness with God, he's healing you from the wounds of your past. He's opening you up to the destiny that is your future. He is changing you eternally. Y'all not getting it. Let me help you. Uh, my little girl, Zoe, uh, Worst thing you can say to Zoe, worst, worst thing you can say to Zoe is you walk up to Zoe and you say, girl, you're so cute. You look, you look just like your daddy. <laughs> My daddy's a dude and he has a beard. Like she's like, I don't look anything like a 36 year old man with hair on his face. But the girl can't help it. She looks just like me. She was born looked just like me. Two years old, she looked even more like me. At four, she got glasses, OMG, SMH, she looked just like me. Like every year she looks more and more like me. I'm hoping this trend turns before the girls get 21 or else I'm not gonna be able to get her married off to anybody. Like she looks just like her daddy. She can't help it. Every year, she looks more like her father. If you get it early, I won't have to preach as long. You, you get it? Jesus is saying everlasting life is every day you look more like your father. And I may look as much like him as I can today, but check me out tomorrow because I'll look even more like him. I, I, look, I look as much like him and I still got flaws. I still got, I still got areas. I'm not perfect, but check me out next year because I plan to look even more like my father. And everlasting life is this idea of every day of your life, you being drawn to be more like your God. Never perfect, but always with the perfect one. That was good. Somebody ought to tweet that. That was good. I'm going to say that one again. Never perfect, but I'm with the perfect one. And his perfection is perfecting me. It's making me a better husband. 
He's making me a better father. He's making me a better mom, making me a better woman, making me a better single woman so that I can, so that I can be who he's created me to be. He's making me a better single man so I can stand in this season of my life and glorify him with all that I am. He's making me better. That's everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him not perish, will not drift away into this place of darkness, absence of the Father's love, but will have everlasting life, will be drawn to him, his splendor, and all of his glory, so that I might live for him. Every great gift demands a great response. What's your response? Are you perishing or are you living? It all depends on how you answer this question. Are you believing? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Father, if there's anyone in this room that's perishing, I pray that by the power of your spirit and your love and your grace that they would hear this message and it would be so clear they don't have to live like this anymore. Jesus Christ, you died on the cross Your your blood was shed. You got up on the third day with all power to create a new way of living for us. And that new way has been offered as a divine gift today. Father, we receive this gift. Father, if we're perishing, help us to see the light. And may we know your eternal life through believing in your Son. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.